live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What up, what up, what up, Raider fans? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. It's a Thursday. You're in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We want your calls. 702-365-9200. You know what I did today? I spent my day taking a deep dive into Kenyon Drank, uh, the Raiders' new running back. Uh, and man, some of the some of what uh, I was able to uncover uh, about this guy uh, and this player, uh, and how he fits in uh, to, in the whole scheme of things uh, with the Raiders, and you know, doing some detective work uh, by tapping into some people. Uh, that I just happen to know and happen to have uh, running dialogues with. Uh, it's really interesting when you look at a a, a player like Kenyon Drake, uh, who's really a starting running back. Um, and I know, uh, and the lead to my story, and you can check it out uh, over at uh, VegasNation.com or download the app, Vegas Nation. Um, as many of you know, in addition to uh, hosting this uh, radio sh- show here on Raider Nation Radio, I'm also... Uh, the Raiders beat writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal. That's the day job. Um, and so, you know, the story today, which will run in print tomorrow, but it's already out online if you want to go check it out. Uh, how are the Raiders planning on you? What was the the thought process behind bringing in um, Kenyon Drake when obviously the Raiders already have a really good running back in Josh Jacobs? Uh, he's the first running back. In since Marcus Allen to rush for a thousand yards in two straight seasons, uh, that's pretty high company. Obviously, Josh Jacobs has been a um, a, a solid first round pick uh, for the Raiders in in every measurable way. So, if you're the Raiders, why are you investing in another running back? Uh, and let's get the contract uh, part of it out of the way. Uh, guaranteed eleven million dollars over two years. $8 million of that cap hit um, will take uh, effect next year. So this year's cap hit is just $3 million. It's not a big deal. Uh, and it's really not a big deal next year either. Um, and I say that because as of right now, the Raiders have uh, a projected you know, $50-plus million on the salary cap. Now, granted, they have, uh, I think it's 26 players under contract. That doesn't include the rookie class that's coming in. Um, but they're in good shape as far as the salary cap goes. The Raiders uh, have done a really good job in terms of the salary cap. A lot of credit to Tom Delaney, their salary cap guru, who uh, people in the NFL uh, believe is one of the best at what he does. And if you look at the Raiders' salary cap situation right now, if you look at the Raiders' salary cap situation moving forward, uh, they're in a really strong position. Uh, they, they're doing things very strategically. Uh, the term for it right now is is pay as you go. They don't lock themselves into damaging long-term contracts that uh, put a drain on the salary cap in future years. They just don't do it. And we'll kind of get into um, sort of the mechanisms that they do to avoid that pitfall and why they're in really good shape as far as that goes. Now, you know, uh, having said that, have there been mistakes in personnel? Yes, definitely. Uh, Trevor, uh, uh, Trent Brown was a mistake, right? Um, they, he got he played 16 games out of the uh, 32 that that were played between 2018 or 2019 and 2020. So that's a mistake. Um, uh, Terrell Williams was, um, you know, not to anybody's fault. He just got hurt, uh, but that was. 
in retrospect, wasted money due to circumstances. Um, you know, LaMarcus Joyner uh, didn't pan out without question. So that was a mistake. So there's a difference between being in good shape on the salary cap uh, and making the right choices sometimes. And there have been some misses. There's no question about it. What uh, the Raiders have been, been able to avoid, though, is to quickly assess a mistake and move on from it. And in a way, and by the way they structure their contract, it doesn't leave damaging scars that they're going to have to deal with in future years. Uh, they, they figure out pretty quickly, well, first of all, they structure their contract so the bulk of the money is spent in the first two years. And we'll figure out, the Raiders are saying, um, with whoever it is, uh, if you're if we want to you know, make this a longer-term relationship by um, you know, keeping you, for the next couple of years or so. Uh, so that's why you see a contract like Trent Brown. He signed uh, a four-year contract, $66 million. Um, the Raiders were able to easily get out, uh, out from it after two years. Terrell Williams was a four-year contract for X amount of dollars, but the guaranteed part was paid over the first two years. They were able to uh, release him. No salary cap hit moving forward. Um LaMarcus Joyner was basically a two-year contract as well, even though it said in the fine print four years. But the bulk of his guaranteed money uh, was paid over the first two years. Uh, by, by releasing him, they took a $2.5 million dead cap hit. Not a big deal whatsoever. Uh, so what they've done um, in structuring their contracts is doing it in a way that they, um, you know, the player gets upfront money and the chance to really prove themselves over the over the first couple of years, and then and then it becomes a uh, if if the Raiders decide to stick with that person, great, um, they can they can move forward like that. Uh, or if, but if they don't, and if it's not working, like it wasn't with Trent Williams, like it wasn't or Trent Brown, like it wasn't with Terrell Williams, like it wasn't with Lamarcus Joyner, they can move out from it, um, you know, with no harm done. Now again. It's a big. It's important to note that those were mistakes in personnel. That those were uh, the decision making wasn't sound, and that's what the Raiders. It's more important now moving forward for the Raiders to get it right when it comes to uh, the personnel decisions. Um, and I'm doing a story. It's going to come out in the draft on on some of the misses and some of the hits. It's been, um, you know, offensively aside from uh, uh, you know what we just talked about Terrell Williams and Trent Brown uh, and and the the wide receiver from Antonio Brown obviously that was a a massive mistake but again it didn't cripple the Raiders they didn't it didn't really hurt them uh long range that's what some teams do they get into these contracts where it's a double whammy number 1 the player is not working out number 2 the contract is just slapping you around for years to come and that is one thing that the Raiders have been able to avoid uh, it's one thing to make a mistake personnel-wise, but it's another to make a mistake personnel-wise plus in uh, you know having a contract that's just going to be an albatross, uh, albatross for years to come. That's what you want to try to avoid. That's what the Raiders have. Now, ideally, um, it, you marry both thoughts. You marry the good contract with a good player, uh, and everybody's happy, and um, you know that's where the Raiders need to uh, need to need to get to. Uh, Corey Littleton is a guy that has to have a big bounce back year to justify the contract that he got. Um, Nick Wachowski, I think, needs to stay on on, on the path that, that that he's on, and I think that that's a uh, a good acquisition uh, as of right now. And you know, for the Raiders moving forward, we'll see. 
Carl Nassib was, I mean, right now that's a mistake. You know, you can't look at it any other way. He didn't produce the way the Raiders had hoped, especially for the money that they gave him. He took a pay cut this year, has a chance to rebound and maybe redeem himself a, a, a little bit. Um, Nelson Aguilar was a, was a huge hit. Richie Incognito was a hit up until last year. He got hurt. They brought him back. If he's healthy, um, he's going to pay off in the you know what is it, the three million dollar contract that he has uh, this year. Um, so we'll we'll see now uh, moving forward with uh, you know uh, Malik Collins was a mistake, no question about that. Um, so, but it was a one year deal, uh, one and done. Uh, he didn't live up to expectations. The Raiders are able to move on. As we're talking about it right now, uh, the Raiders need to hit on a Kenyon Drake. They need to hit on a John Brown. They need to hit on a Willie Sneed. They need to hit on a Quentin Jefferson and a Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, you know, uh, we can't sit here and say that every one of them is going to be a home run, uh, but there's reasons for hope for some of these guys, and, and especially in Kenyon Drake's um, case. Doing the deep dive that I did on Kenyon today and, and looking at some of the numbers and what he's been able to do uh, and how he helps, it makes a lot of sense. And the, and the cost is really not that – it's not prohibitive at all. Um, it's, it's, it's a contract that is, uh, is, is of, no, of no real significance in terms of impeding uh, the Raiders from making uh, any moves, whether it's now or uh, you know, in the future. But what I really like about – uh, this signing is is some of the intangibles that he brings to the uh, um, to the table. Number one, got to keep in mind that the season just went from sixteen games to seventeen games. I know that's one game. Um, what, how how you know uh, what what kind of an impact will that have? Well, how many times have we already seen in the two years uh, with Josh Jacobs that? You know, he gets to a point in the season where uh, there's some fatigue, where there are some injuries. He missed a couple of, he missed what, three games uh, two years ago. I think he missed a game this year uh, in 2020. And, you know, uh, missing games is, is one thing. Playing through, you know, uh, injuries when you're in pain is a whole other. We can't even account for that uh, when you get to the end of the season or Josh Jacobs got to the end, end of these last two seasons, not in great shape. Well, a guy like Kenyon Drake, who's been a starter in his career and is coming here not really as a backup but as a co-running back uh, without question, is going to be able to, both of them together are going to help each other be more, um, you know, in better shape toward the end of the season when, and we talked about this yesterday, when guys need to be as healthy as possible for that final push and sometimes the most important push if you get into the playoffs. And that's the same for late game situations when you have to have it. Uh, when you need to extend a drive with the lead, let's say, right? Um, you want to be able to have as fresh a legs as out there as possible. And whether that's Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake, the combination of both of them together th throughout the course of a game is going to put both players uh, in a better position in those uh, key situations late in games. Uh, so that's one way. The 17-game issue is something that you have to keep in mind um, when you're looking at why the Raiders go spend money on uh, on another running back. Uh, let's look at Drake's rushing totals uh, over his career: uh, 3,130 yards on 695 yards on 600. Excuse me, 695 carries. That's 4.5 yards per carry. Yeah, that'll get it done uh, as a receiver. Uh, okay. Uh, career, 169 catches 
for 1,244 yards. Now, when, and this was pointed out to me uh, by uh, people in the know, let's just say, uh, if you look back at where um, Kenyon came from, uh, Miami and then Arizona, okay? In Miami, there was quarterback flux. Um, there was a lot of backups being played. Cutler was was playing. Sometimes it was Ryan Tannehill. Sometimes it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so there was some quarterback flux, but there was a two-year period, and we're going to get to uh, the calls here in just a second. There was a two-year period between, and also in Arizona, the, the type of offense, that air raid offense, um, negated some of what he did uh, Kenyon Drake in the in the in the pass catching game, uh, where he was lined up specifically and how he was used. But from 2018 to 2019, uh, this is a guy who had 103 catches for 822 yards and five touchdowns. Over that 30 game period, um, he was used on 57 snaps lined up wide and 44 snaps lined up in the slot. Um, so that's 100 or so times snaps over two years where he was literally lined up as a wide receiver. Uh, and and during that time as well, uh, when you count for the times that he was at, lined up as a wide receiver and the times where he was lined up as a running back, over those two years, 603 plays in which he uh, ran a receiving route over those two seasons. So he can catch the ball. He could play out wide. Um, you know, and, and in 2018, which was probably his best year, 53 catches, uh, of those 53 catches, 23 resulted in first downs. That's moving the change. That's timeliness. Um, and when you look at uh, um, how many times he's been targeted over his career, 212 times um, uh, that he's been targeted, quarterbacks that he's played with in those 212 targets have a 98.4 cumulative passer rating. And in two, 2018, it was a hundred. The, the the QB rating was one twenty two. So he's a guy that quarterbacks can rely on. Is a guy that accentuates your quarterback. You just need a stable quarterback situation and the right system. And the Raiders believe uh, that's exactly what they have in Derek Carr and in this offensive system and the way they plan to use him. We're going to get into uh, even more of that in just a little bit. But let's first go to the Raider Nation listener line because Ma- uh, Madro is on the line. Wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, man? Great, Vinny. Um, you know, to the point. And this is a lot of, you, know, you hear a lot of people talking about Kenyon Drake and, oh, my God, we spent so much money on this guy. Let me tell you, and you brought it up, this is going to be the first 17-game season. And anybody who's close to or has been around the training rooms, practice facilities, and the games that is close to the team really knows what's going on. By week 10, there's not a single player on a team that's not playing hurt if they've played at all. And so more than ever in the past, you're going to have to have quality depth, not just depth, but quality depth, because you're going to have to be able to change in and out and keep people as fresh as possible. Because, you know, there's going to be a lot, believe it or not, most of the nasty injuries come in those last games. It's almost like running a marathon, you know. The first couple miles, you wonder why you're doing it. The next 20 miles, you're kind of in a robotic rhythm, but those last six miles, all you're doing is pushing yourself, and that's kind of what a football team does. They come down to those last four or five games, and they're pushing themselves to the playoffs, and that 17th game is going to be just one more that knocks you out. And, you know, they're probably not going to be quite ready for it, so 
like I said, more than ever, it's not going to be as much about, I mean, it's going to be great to have stars, but you got to have really quality depth at, especially at speed positions. Because if you ever notice the wide receivers, running backs, deep backs, those are finely tuned humans whose hamstrings and feet and, you know, get little holes and nuts that makes it crazy for them to try to run. And that's going to be a big deal. You know, you got to have as many players as possible. In fact, I do not doubt that within two years, maybe, the teams will go to maybe 58 active players. And Madro, real- where, where did the Raiders focus so much of their attention so far in free agency on? What three areas, to your point, have they really invested in, in terms of that depth and as many quality bodies as they could possibly find. Well, what are they the three have years? gotten like 340 defensive linemen. Right. You know, because those guys, first of all, they're big. They wear out easier, and they get nicked all the time. And so you need a ton of them. And then the running back position, I mean, I love Josh Jacobs. He's amazing. But even in his first couple of years, he gets nicked up. He's been hurt. And if you've got somebody who can actually take his place, and don't get me wrong, Jalen Richards is all right, but somebody who's really seriously quality running back who can also play wide receiver. And look at how many wide receivers we have added. We lost one, and we've added another million of them. You know, we have got bodies, and a lot of them have super potential. And I don't mean just Brown. You know, um, we've got a lot of kids. Don't Willie Sneed, and that's you know, that, and that's obviously on top of the younger guys, Henry Ruggs, you know, uh, move, making making a move in the right direction. Um, oh yeah, Brian Edwards making a move in the right direction. So, and and, and you're right. Going into this, going into free agency, um, you know, somebody there was a, there was a bug in my ear uh, of somebody that that you know was in the know. Let's just say it that way, and the uh, the remark. And the observation of depth was a significant word that was being used. Um, uh, it's this is a lot of this is going to be about depth. And to your point and to their point, what they did on the defensive line, building up a rotation that that they believe is too deep at every single position, if not three, really. And again. It might not be stars. Yannick Ngakwe is a borderline star. I mean, he's one of the best pass rushers in the game. The statistics show that. He changes games with his ability to force turnovers. You know, he's one of five guys since 2016 to have 40 or more sacks and 15 or more forced fumbles. He would be the quote-unquote star of that unit. Um, But short of paying another guy big money to be another big star, they decided to go and spend uh, good money on... Good, good reserves in order to have that kind of a depth that we're talking about. And oh, it's a they're, huge fact. They're fa- actually doing a brilliant job. They really are. And on top of it, you know, you talk about it now in Galway, but um, watch Mo Hurst this year. Yep. When he has both Clee and Galway there, watch Mo Hurst. I think he's just going to come into his own finally because that kid's a talent. I just don't think he's been used properly. And I think our new DC, um, He'll be a great guy in the rotation. He's going to be phenomenal, I believe. Yeah, and um, I, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, all these guys have to get out there and, and get the job done. But, you know, uh, I, I, to, to, to see some of the national 
observations about this, like what are the Raiders doing? If you're really paying attention um, and, and, and at least having a nuanced look uh, or, or take, there is common sense to what they're doing. And it is, it, it is actually a smart approach to do what they did on the defensive line, to do what they did adding another running back, to beef up wide receiver, um, you know, knowing that, again, it's going to be a 17-game season and there's young players in that wide receiver room that you almost have to figure there's going to be nicks, there's going to be bruises, there's going to be missed games. There always are, typically. And to be able to have quality depth whenever that happens, whether it's through the game or through the course of the season, it's it makes a huge difference. Now, obviously, uh, there's a hole at right tackle, there's a hole at, at, at free safety, but um, whether it's through the draft or post free or post draft free agency, and I think there will be some moves um, in, in both of those realms. Obviously, the draft, but I do believe there will be some other free agent additions. Um, I think the Raiders are have a plan to address both of those needs. Uh, appreciate the call, Madro. Uh, keep the you know, uh, don't ever be shy. You know that. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line because Mac is Matt is uh, talking about the Raiders from Hoboken. How you doing, Matt? Hey, Vinny, how you doing tonight? Doing really good, man. I want to talk about, and I touched on this in some of my previous calls, I want to talk about uh, contingency plans tonight, especially for the secondary. Now, we're all hoping that guys like Abram and guys like Arnett uh, develop into serious starters and good players. But let's say that doesn't happen, you know, and let's say we realize that that hasn't happened at some point in the season, next season, at some point where maybe we could still be in contention. This is why I believe it's so important to that we sign some veterans in the secondary in case we realize at some point, uh, while still in contention next year, that we got to make a move. So, you know, that's really the reason why I'm pushing this veteran secondary thing, because I am not sold on these guys 100%. And, you know, it's good to have faith in them and hope that they pan out. But you got to be intelligent about this, and you got to say to yourself, "What if they don't? And what if we're still in contention? And we got to make some moves." Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. I do believe a veteran defensive back is coming. I, I do believe that. But let's take a look at let's take a look uh, at um, at where they are uh, in the secondary. All right. So as of today, your starters would be Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen at the two cornerback spots. Um, Jonathan right. Abram, obviously, at one safety. As of today, and we have to put a qualifier on that because uh, there's still a lot of moves to to, to be made uh, before now and the regular season. But Jeff Heath uh, would be your would be um, you know one of the safeties. Uh, I like Jeff Heath a lot. I think he's gonna. I think he's an excellent backup. Uh, but for now, got to pencil him in uh, as 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 the starter. Uh, the slot cornerback position right now would be Amik Robertson. I think he gets the, uh, the the draw if the season were to start today. And then after that, you've got Isaiah Johnson, you've got Nevin Lawson, um, you've got Kishon Nixon, uh, you've got Dalen Levitt, uh, and then you've got a couple of guys that are on futures deals, Rayshon Galden uh, and, and Kel- Kevin uh, Siverand. The Raiders obviously are going to make some moves uh, in the secondary. Just looking at that depth chart, um, you understand that, that multiple moves are still coming. I do believe they'll bring in a veteran. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it was a Richard Sherman type of a guy. We'll see um, where where if that if that comes to fruition. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they also brought in uh, somebody to compete at that um, uh, slot cornerback position. I do believe that the free safety is most likely going to be a combination of a draft pick and a free agent pick as well. So uh, there's I got a, a follow up for you, Vinny. 
Uh, okay, go Earl ahead. Thomas, in terms of Earl Thomas, do you, know, do you have any inside baseball on him as to what's happening? Because he just seems like a perfect fit that would be cheap at this point. Is he, is he unsignable for some reason that we don't know yet? I don't know if he's unsignable necessarily, but I think if you're Earl Thomas, what are you coming back for? There's no big money out there for Earl Thomas. Uh, and sometimes, you know, guys that have made their money get to a point where they're, is it worth my bother at this point? I'm living a really good life. Uh, if he's taking care of his money, uh, he's got plenty of money in, in the bank, um, and and he's good to go. Uh, so there, there's not any big money available to him, for, for him, I don't believe. And so that's the question that he has to answer. And sometimes you get to a point in your career where, Sorry, man. You know, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not coming back for for that. You know, if 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 I'm going to come back, it's got to be for more than that. And good power to him. That usually tells you that the guy is in a really good place financially, is is set, and is going to play on his terms, not everyone else, not anyone else's terms. Um, and I just don't think the Raiders are in a position. Probably, you know, um, I don't even know if there's interest. I can't say that there is or there isn't, uh, but. If there is interest, they have a budget that they're gonna that they're gonna um, you know uh, keep at, and I it'd be interesting to me uh, to, to to figure out if whatever they have in mind and anyone else around the league because obviously he hasn't signed anywhere uh, jives with what Earl Thomas um, believes he's still worth if he even wants to play and I'll 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 I'll, I'll check to see if if you know what what the temperature is on that because I honestly. Uh, don't know. I appreciate the call, Matt. Uh, always uh, feel free to give us a give us a holler uh, anytime you want. Always enjoy talking to you uh, from the East Coast. You're in the huddle of Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention this about Kenya and Drake. Um, 23 touchdowns on 113 career touches in the red zone. And that includes 11 touchdowns on 38 touch on 38 touches um, from 2018 to 2019. Where did the Raiders struggle most on the football field last year? Not in terms of efficiency. They scored a lot of points when they got to the red zone. They were one of the best scoring teams in the NFL from anywhere on the field. But their touchdown to red zone percentage, their touchdown success percentage in uh, the red zone was 23rd in the NFL, in spite of being really high as far as the overall efficiency. But those efficiency numbers were enhanced uh, by all the field goals that they kicked. They want to increase the touchdown percentage in the red zone. They improved a little bit from 2019 to 2020, but obviously 23rd in that category, um, it, there's room for improvement. Well, lo and behold, here comes Kenyon Drake. Uh, when he gets in the red zone, he's got a nose for the end zone. 23 touchdowns on 113 career touch, touches in the red zone. And his two best years, when there was quarterback stability and an offense that uh, really suited his talents or, or better suited his talents, 2018 to 2019, on 38 touches in the red zone, 
from 2018 to 2019, 11 touchdowns. That is not a bad ratio whatsoever. I'm terrible at math, so I don't know what that equals in terms of the ratio, but 11 touchdowns on 38 touches in the red zone uh, from 2018 to 2019 is pretty darn good, I think. Um, and I think the overall number is 23 scores on 103 t- uh, 113 touchdowns. Touches is really good as well. So if you're looking for an area of the field where Kenyon Drake can have a, a pretty big impact, it just so happens to be uh, where the Raiders want to improve uh, the most, and that's in the red zone, being able to score touchdowns rather than kick field goals. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Anthony wants to talk about the Raiders. How are you doing, Anthony? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Doing good, thank you. So I had uh, two things, actually. I just got off work, and I actually uh, just caught the tail end of that last call. Uh, that's one of the reasons that I called, uh, but I'll get into the first thing first. Um, I was going to ask your opinion. So if if the Raiders pick a 17 and uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Kormor is there, um, I feel like we still need help at the linebacker position. Um, I also know that we need an offensive tackle, but the offensive tackle um, – position is super deep in this draft and i think we could get one in the second round you know maybe even the third um and i feel like we're pretty solid as it sits right now uh that's just my opinion of course uh but if you were the raiders are you going to take you know the best offensive tackle at 17 or are you going to go with the defense and try to fill the linebacker role um if you don't take you know let's say a, a free safety if a good free safety sitting there you know i mean of course we need that also um I wanted your opinion on that. And then my second uh, point, real quick, and I'll listen off the air, but my second point is I heard the caller mention um, Earl Thomas and, and what, you know, what, what, would want, what would Earl Thomas come back for because you know, we're not going to be able to give him that much money. Um, I was going to say Gus Bradley would be the reason, in my opinion, that him and Sherman might want to come back because – he was, you know, the the what the creator of the Legion of Boom, uh, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and he was part so of the maybe, uh, process that drafted Earl Thomas. So maybe you can get Sherman and Earl Thomas in a in a in a in a deal together, right? A cheap deal together, and you can bring them both back. And in the and the purpose for that would be, look what we just did with um, uh, Aguilar, right? He came in and. Uh, he balled out last year, and he just got a super fat contract with the Patriots. Maybe Thomas and um, Sherman can come in and do super good with Gus Bradley in this defense and help our young, all our young players learn the defense. You know what I mean? Plus, they have that that dog mentality that, that your boy Q is always talking about, and they can they can help raise these pups into into attack dogs. You know what I mean? So maybe yeah, no, in. yeah, no, no question about it. Um, you would think here's the here's here's where uh, uh, starting with the last question first about Earl Thomas. You would think that um, uh, you know if if there was that desire on both sides, um, the Raiders and and Earl Thomas, something probably would have happened already. I just I just don't know where. Earl Thomas is. I know that they, there's a grievance that's going on um, with the Baltimore Ravens and on on the past contract. Remember, the relationship there didn't end very. It was it was uh, unceremoniously to say the least. There were some altercations, a fight or something like that, um, and and he was sent home. Um, so that's that. They, they, there's still 
some issues with that or some um, so, some things to get figured out over the last contract. Um, it, it sounds like he's a free agent right now, but you know, there, there's no. I don't. I'm, I haven't seen anything that indicates he wants to get back. Uh, and I haven't seen anything that indicates teams are, you know, clamoring to bring him back. So I don't know where that is right now. Uh, as far as your draft plan, uh, I spent probably way too much of my time last night watching Micah Parsons uh, from Penn State. And I got to say, if he was there at beast. 17, he's, go he's ahead. A beast. He's a beast. He is good, yes. man. If he's there, I'd probably take him over uh, Jeremiah. I'm not going to lie. I just think he might be gone is the only thing. Yeah, and and I, and the reason I mentioned uh, Micah Parsons is that he is somebody that would. There's a couple of guys I should say. Um, he's one of them. Uh, J.C. Horn from South Carolina is one of them. Um, Patrick Sertain from Alabama is an, is another one of, uh, of those defensive players him. who. Yes, if they're there. Uh, it would make me, if I'm the Raiders, uh, and I, um, speaking speaking for myself uh, on behalf of the Raiders, uh, maybe yes, that would compel me to to pull the trigger on a defensive player because those three players, to me anyway, are difference makers. Uh, they make things happen. They they they. Michael Parsons is just a stud. So uh, somebody like that, I you figure out how to get him onto the field ASAP. He could. He, he's a three down guy. He could defend the pass. Um, he's good on blitzes. He tracks down the, he's just a beast. Um, so yes, definitely somebody like that. Jeremiah and, uh, full, full disclosure. I, I pretty much watch every single Notre Dame game, uh, grew up a Notre Dame fan. So, uh, well-versed in Jeremiah. I, I, I love the game. Uh, I love what he brings. I think he'd be, um, very interesting with a Gus Bradley. Um, I just don't know if at 17, uh, you know, with with some of the some of the um, things you kind of have to coach around early on uh, with, with Jeremiah and and figure out a role for him. Uh, you know, he's sort of one of those tweener guys. He could play a little bit of safety. He could play you know linebacker. There's, um, I think there's still I think he's there's still a learning curve there with him. Um, whereas I think Micah steps in day one and is just arguably the best player on your defense right now, and that's saying a lot. So um, those are the two guys. Or those three guys, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, and Micah, if they're there at 17, I almost think the Raiders, it's one of those, you pick, you pick them and then you figure out later. Heck, if you get one of those two cornerbacks, you move David Arnett inside to slot cornerback, and there you go. You just fill two holes with a pick of one player because uh, if, you look at, if you look at Damon, he's played in the slot and played it pretty well at Ohio State. There's no reason to think that he can't. Uh, you know, slide down and, and be a good solid slot corner, and all of a sudden now you have a, the makings of a pretty darn good uh, cornerback um, trio in you know Trayvon Mullen, in in J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain, uh, and 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 you know uh, David Arnett in the slot with with uh, um, you know uh, Amik Robertson still in the picture. Uh, as far as the ta- and look, if you did do go that direction, you're right. There are second round tackles uh, that you know will be available, but there's also third round tackles w- that would be available too. Like if you wanted to go defensive playmaker early on with that 17th pick, whether it's a Micah Parsons, whether it's a Patrick Sertain, whether it's a J.C. Horn, uh, and then double back at number two 
to go get a, um, a your, your safety, whether it's uh, you know uh, Javon uh, Howard from Oregon or um, uh, Richie Grant from the University of Central Florida. Now all of a sudden the secondary is 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 young, but it's in it, but it's in pretty good hands uh, right there with everything else that you're bringing back. And then okay, well what about a tackle? Here's a name that I'm going to throw out at you. Uh, and I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and I've been doing a and, and the guy just caught my eye at the Senior Bowl. All right, and um, you know, it's one thing for me to see things and say, "Oh, that guy looks like he's pretty darn good," but you know, I can't rely just on my eyes. So when I see a guy like that, uh, that I think you know is pretty pretty good, not not the most talked about guy. Obviously, there's other players that are better, but this guy looks like could be a have a nice long NFL career. That's when I usually start texting people around the league that I know to kind of get some insight. And a guy that I think is still going to be there in the third round, uh, who I think um, is going to not necessarily surprise a lot of people, but he's going to have a nice career, NFL career. Keep your eye on uh, the name Spencer Brown, Northern Iowa. Um, kind of came to football a little bit late. He was a multi-sport guy uh, growing up in Iowa uh, who was just really good at Northern Iowa um, over the course of his career there. Had a really strong senior ball. Uh, tested tremendously in terms of athletically. Some of the things that he's able to do at six foot nine are, frankly, crazy. Um, and, you know, uh, 6'9", 314, still has room to, to add weight. Uh, is just really athletic, and I think he's a guy that um, could probably play day one. Now, there will probably be some 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 rough edges. Uh, the, the level of play is going to increase, obviously, uh, but I think he has all the tools. So if you talk about, all right, if the Raiders go defense those first two picks, a defensive playmaker, stud, a Micah Parsons uh, at 17, or even Jeremiah or one of the uh, two great cornerbacks, uh, and then go get the safety in the second round. What about uh, you know offensive tackle? Well, here's a guy, uh, a Spencer Brown, who I think will be there in the third round. You could always use those two third. You know, you you could always use one of your third round picks and maybe a future you know uh, draft pick or maybe uh, one of your fourth round or a fourth round pick to go back into the second round if you feel like Spencer Brown or any of the other tackles. Uh, that are still there are, are worth it. So you can still figure out a way to get two impact defensive players and that tackle with with your first three picks uh, of the draft. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. But I like the I like the way you're thinking uh, without question. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Raider Calvin wants to talk about his Raiders. How you doing, Raider Calvin? Hey Vinny, how's it going? It's uh, my first time calling in. I listen to your show every day. Great content. Um, been a Raider fan since 1976, and I'll tell you, um, I know we need a, a right tackle on a safety, but I really think the Raiders' defense is missing that difference maker at linebacker. I think Corey Littleton is going to play better this year, no doubt, along with Nick and Nicholas Morrow, but I'll tell you this kid that nobody's really talking about out of Missouri. I watched it. Oh, I know who you're talking about, yep. Ooh, Nick Bolton, he is a enforcer uh he can cover he's fast sideline to sideline i'll tell you if that guy's still around in the second round what do you think yeah i mean um yes uh somebody like that for for without question i think you know you have to you have to figure out the free safety situation first and foremost 
um, on defense uh, in that sec- in in that to me in that second round. I think that's where you go grab the guy because that's the, that's like the position to me where you know um, it's just you 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 have to you have to get somebody that you're going to be able to count on year year one um, and Absolutely. the linebacker. Uh, the Missouri linebacker. Um, so, so you know, I think he's gonna go. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna go in that in that uh, that part of the draft as well. Now, again, we 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 mentioned just a, a second ago, maybe trading back up into that second round uh, to get a linebacker and that free safety. Because uh, I'm with you. I think the Raiders, they without question, they need guys that can make plays on that defense, and that's why I'm kind of coming around to the whole. 17 use if 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 the draft unfolds in a favorable way for the Raiders and somebody from the NFL told me they just texted me uh, a couple of days ago hey if you're the Raiders you got to hope that as many quarterbacks as possible go before them and it sure is looking like a bunch of them are because that's going to push a good defensive player down to the Raiders I agree and just one last thing uh I I love what they're doing uh in free agency I think Gus Bradley is going to wake this defense up, and I think that one particular player that um, I'm hoping and praying that if they can get a, if not a veteran free safety, but a dependable uh, free safety, like you said, I really think Abrams is going to come alive this year. I really, I really, really feel that way. Well, um, it, this is this is the year he has to do it. You know, it's it's make or break yeah. for Jonathan Abram. Um, you know, the Raiders are putting a lot of faith in. Gus Bradley in a lot of different ways, but one of them is getting Jonathan Abram back on the right track. Uh, you know, Corey Littleton, Jonathan Abram, Damon Arnett, uh, these these kids that have talent. There's no question they have talent. It just needs to be coached up or better utilized uh, than it has been than it was last year. Um, and and if they and and priority, I wouldn't say priority number one, but it's way up there is getting Jonathan Abram um, in 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 place where he could be a, a a strength of this defense rather than kind of a chaotic sort of erratic and almost borderline uh, player that, that, that hurt the Raiders at times last year. So uh, we'll see. And that's on, you know, Gus Bradley's going to have a big say on that. Uh, really appreciate the call, Calvin. Thank you so much. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor brought to you by man. Tequila Bonner. Interact with the show. Text Benny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Benny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Benny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Thursday. You're in the huddle. Benny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Um, and yeah, looking at some of these linebackers, um, Jeremiah uh, Uwusu uh, Koromora uh, from Notre Dame. I'll just call him J-O-K. Um, intriguing, uh, to say the least. Uh, but boy, I'll tell you what, if Micah Parsons um, somehow takes a little bit of a tumble, um, that's a guy that, uh, that, that is an instant difference maker on the Raiders defense. And that's one of the things that, um, you know, the, the, the Raiders have some good solid players, uh, defensively guys that are getting, uh, better. Um, but that star quality, that difference making quality, um, 
just haven't seen it yet. You know, I, I know that um, Corey Littleton, uh, the way he plays, can make big plays. Uh, is he a difference maker? Um, maybe not necessarily, uh, but but he has a history of making big plays. What he really needs to do is just get back to being a really good, solid player. Uh, I think Clee Farrell is a good, solid player, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Uh, I think um, uh, Yannick Ngakwe um, can be, at times, a difference maker, without question. He's shown that he can do that. He can change the course of games with his ability to to get come up with big sacks and come up with uh, you know fumbles and and, and kind of uh, momentum changing plays. Uh, but they could really use somebody on defense that's just a straight up. How the heck are we going to have to deal with this guy this week? Kind of a player, uh, you know, as an opposing offense that when they um, go into film study during the course of a week, when they go into game plan mode, um, when the defense or when the offensive coordinator is looking at that Raider defense and saying, uh, you know, they got some really good players and this is going to be a handful, but we really got to make sure that. We 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 deal with this guy over here because he can change a game. Do the Raiders have that on defense? Uh, no, not right now. Based off last year, no, uh, they don't. Um, obviously, the defense has changed from last year. Yannick Ngakwe, I think, has a chance um, to be a player that's going to be somebody that um, opposing offenses are going to have to account for. And I think Clee Farrell is on his way to becoming that kind of a player as well. I, I really believe that. Um, whether he's lined up inside or, or outside, I think his pass rush is going to improve. Uh, I think the power of his game um, shows up, and I think his effect on a game shows up. Now, uh, can, he, can he be a player that shows up in a bigger way with some bigger plays? He's shown that a couple of times uh, throughout his early career, uh, but it needs to happen more consistently now. And uh, remember, Clee Farrell, somebody was on Twitter was talking about his numbers, and uh, comparing them to twenty um, to, to his rookie year, and one of the numbers, of course, that people point out to were were the sacks. He had less sacks this year, or in twenty twenty compared to twenty nineteen. Well, he played less games. Don't forget, um, COVID nineteen took a huge bite out of uh, Cleve Farrell late in the season, toward or in that what November or so. I, when I say a big bite, it was a big bite. It late it waylaid him for a little while, and it took him a while to get back. And so when you're looking at just sheer numbers, you have to put nuance and perspective on the numbers. In certain, uh, based on, on certain numbers, yes, they were less than his rookie year. But he also played four or five less games last year compared to the year before. That makes a difference. You have to, you know, you have to take that into account. But from a percentage standpoint of quality snap standpoint and doing more uh, on the when he was on the field, everything was up last year. Uh, it, it was whether people want to believe that or not. Uh, not my problem if you don't want to believe it, but it is. It was, uh, and I think that he's you know uh, um, as the years go on is going to be a very good, dependable player, even on a very good defense. Um, now, the question is, where do they go to go get somebody that's going to be able to make a difference, like on a game to game basis? guy like Micah Parsons um, fits that bill. And right now he's projected to go maybe top 10, uh, maybe top 12. Uh, But there are some issues, some off-field issues, um, you know, some um, 
maturity issues that uh, that some teams are going to knock him for. Who knows? You know, maybe there is a chance uh, that he falls to 17, and if he is, I think that's a guy that the Raiders have to consider, as they do J.C. Horn, as they do Patrick Sertain, uh, if, if any of those three players fall to that 17 range, because those are three players, in my estimation, have a chance to be difference makers, and that's what the Raiders need here in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. When we get back, we're going to explain to Devon Cotton why sometimes the salary cap doesn't matter. It matters to some extent, but why it's not the big bugaboo uh, that that uh, that people worry about sometimes. It's not the, that that's not where the focus should always be. Uh, there's ways to manage that salary cap. You're in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador.